Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. First Timothy chapter 4. We've been ministering in this vein now for, uh, this will be our fourth week, fourth installment, talking about deception, avoiding deception. Um, we understand that uh, being deceived, the, the earth and the world, even the church being deceived will not be avoided, but how can you avoid it? How can you steer clear of deception? How can you arrive at a place that you're not named or numbered with this crew here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 in the New King James? It says, now the Spirit, everyone say the Spirit, that's a capital S, so that's the Holy Spirit, amen? The Holy Spirit says expressly, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. They will depart from the faith, but they're not just gonna abandon the faith and just you know, do whatever they wanna do. They are going to follow another faith, if you will. They're gonna follow another voice. They're gonna follow another direction. It says that they're gonna depart from the faith, but they're going to give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. It says in verse two that through their hypocrisy, everyone say hypocrisy, and pretensions of, uh, nope, that's the amplified, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. In the amplified, uh, verse two, in the amplified, it says through hypocrisy and pretensions of liars. You understand that if we don't believe the truth, we're believing a lie. And when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. When you believe the truth, you believe the one giving truth. That's God. He can only give you truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you believe the truth, then you empower Jesus and his truth in your life. But if you believe a lie, you empower the liar. You increase the work of the enemy in your life. Guys, we, we, we have to steer clear of these things. We, we, we cannot um, allow uh, this, this deception to creep in on any level. Creep in on any level. Now, you might say, well, the Bible's a hard book. The Bible's a difficult book to understand. It's complex. It sure is. And I would say it, I would respond with, with this. If it's so complex, then why do we treat it as of such little value? It is complex. There is a lot to uncover. There is a lot to reveal. There is a, a, a lot that, that might even seem at times contradictory to itself. But there's two ways that'll help you. One is being in the word consistently. If you have a habit of just reading, reading a verse a day, on your screen that pops up from your little apps on your phone, then you're gonna be at a deficit. If you don't have a habit, a healthy habit of, I'm gonna go even deeper, not just reading the word, but being a studier of the word. I mean, if it's so complex, shouldn't we dive in? If it's so complex, shouldn't we dig in a little deeper than just staying on the surface? If it's so complex. And then the second way is yielding to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. Remember, we don't read this book to get information. 
We read this book to get revelation. And I don't read this this book to know something. I read this book to get acquainted with someone. There's a difference. And so we're going to have to invest a little more time, be studiers of the word as the word calls us to. I didn't make that up. Paul writes to Timothy and said, be a studier of the word. Be not ashamed, right? Being able to rightly divide. If I can rightly divide the word, I must be able to wrongly divide the word. Or it could be wrongly divided. So I need to be a consistent, healthy, have a, have a healthy uh, being in the word, studier of the word, digging in the word, and then yield to the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to give you insight, to give you clarity, to give you that revelation knowledge that he speaks of in Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians chapter three, when Paul prays for the church, he says, I pray that he give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that your hearts will be illuminated, your hearts will be enlightened, that you won't just see with your natural eyes and your natural mind. You can learn a lot from the Bible just reading it and studying it on a natural level. It's a great history book. There's a lot of cool stuff. This right here is better than any movie that's ever come out. The battles that were fought, the stories that are in here, the miracles that took place, greater than any book you'll find on this planet if you just want to read on a natural level. But if you want to dig in and get to where the Spirit is revealing something to you, you're going to need a helper. You're going to need a standby. You're going to need someone that's going to come alongside you and say, hey, this is what he was meaning here. That's what he was talking about there. And then he's only going to show you what you can handle at the time, which means the next time I come back to that scripture, he could show me something completely different that I've never seen before that I couldn't receive last year, but here this year I can receive it. The Holy Spirit knows what you need, when you need it, and how much you can handle and how much you can't handle. Jesus said, I wish I could tell you everything I know right now, but you could not bear it. I have many more things I want to reveal to you, many more things I want to show you, but I'm going to withhold because you couldn't handle it right now. That's actually God's mercy. I have people all the time tell me, you know, I, I've, I've learned more at Anchor Faith Church in the last six months. I've, I've grown so much here. Why didn't I know this stuff before? Why didn't I see it before? Well, just thank God that he showed it to you now. And thank God that he didn't show it to you in a position, in a place where you couldn't receive it and steward it well and you would mishandle it. it was, it's God's mercy on your life to not give you too much revelation that you cannot handle, that you will misjudge and not steward appropriately and allow that seed to go by the wayside, allow that seed to get choked up, come on, allow that seed to start to show a little bit of crop, but then it ends up unfruitful. The parable of the sower. In uh, the message translation, First Timothy chapter four, the spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions. Don't need to be scared by that, but it said what it said. Demonic illusions, false spirits, familiar spirits, deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons is what the New King James calls it. It's demonic. If it's not of God, it's demonic. Okay? Demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. That means they're good. And these liars have lied so well and for so long that they've lost their capacity 
for truth. Lastly, in the Passion Translation, the Holy Spirit explicitly reveals at the end of this age, many will depart. Everyone say many. Many will depart from the faith, the true faith, one after another. You know, as some depart, some are leading and others are following. Some are creating and entertaining these demonic illusions, seductive doctrines of demons, and others are just blindly following along because they haven't gained the capacity to discern between right and wrong. They haven't gained the capacity to be able to discern between what's of God and what's not, what is just looking good but not good. So you can be in one of two categories. We can either be the one that the enemy is using to kind of propel and promote these things and others are following, or you find yourself in the category of just blindly following along. But either way, it says that we need to be guarded in this manner. They're following or falling. Many will depart from the true faith one after another, but it says this, that they're devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations, and theories. So we've been talking now for the last several weeks on the matter of kingdom clarity. Um, How can we guard ourselves against this matter of deception? I cannot uh, recap all that we have talked about so far, uh, but we've talked about what a, a life that is being deceived, what it promotes what it yields, the fruit, what that looks like. We, we, we said several things. Uh, you know, they, they have little value for the word, if any value for the word of God. Um, uh, they, you know, they promote experience and stories. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, fairy tales over what the word of God says. They don't have a great foundation. They're not grounded. We said that these individuals typically aren't accountable and submitted to godly leadership either in the local church, the local house, pastors, leaders, the fivefold ministry gifts, uh, anything along those lines. And so, you know, they end up running rogue. They end up, they've got their own, uh, you know, gathering. They've got their own thing that they're doing and they're not submitting it to anyone. Uh, So, you know, we saw that that uh, is another factor that's evident in the life of one being deceived. Uh, there were several that we listed. In the second week, we said that the main pathway to deception is pride. Pride. When you get lifted up in pride, or if we allow pride to remain in our lives, then we are a candidate for deception. And we said this, that pride is simply this. In its simplest form, pride is simply taking any other thought that God does not have. And the word tells us what to do with those thoughts. We're supposed to what? Take them captive. Take every thought that exalts itself against the word of God, take it captive. I can't remember which translation it is, the message or the the passion, it reads it, and it says, take it captive as a prisoner of war. So we gotta take those thoughts captive. That means the thoughts of, uh, I can do this without God. That's the, the, the more easier one to discern as, okay, you're in pride. But you know what else is prideful is saying, I can't do it with God. We found out several weeks ago that insecurity is a form of pride. Because if God called you, God placed you, God anointed you, God uh, 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 applied his gift and his ability and his calling on your life, then who are you to tell God you can't do it? 
Who are you to stand up and say, oh no, God, not me? Now there's a lot of people in the Bible that took that approach initially. We looked at Moses, right? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Peter demonstrated both sides within a matter of days. He stood up to Jesus when Jesus was given an account of this is everything that's gonna happen to me. And he said, what? Lord, may it never be. That means I can do this without God. I got a different plan. I got another way that this can work. That's pride. And Jesus said, what? Get thee behind me, Satan. But after he denied Jesus three times, Jesus dies on the cross, rises again. Jesus finds him on the beach doing what? Fishing again, going back to what he knows. And three times he tells him, go feed my sheep. Go feed my lambs. And in that instance, Peter found him on the other side. I can't do this. But who's the one that gave that message on Pentecost Day? Who's the one that, that stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet? That was Peter. He took the thought captive and said, no. So we've got to watch out for the, the deceptive ways that pride wants to show up. And then last week, we talked about the need for spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. And I kind of want to finish on that um, this week. Now, I'm not going to be concluding necessarily. Um, I kind of see this in sections. That's just the way my type A brain works. Um, I'm concluding maybe the first introductory part of this deception issue. And I want to speak to you today about the equipped church, the equipped church church, because there's a side of spiritual maturity that the church has missed for a long time, and we've got to get it right. What does the equipping of the saints really look like? One of the verses that we looked at last week was Ephesians chapter 4. I do have uh, quite a bit of word here, and so I want y'all to Uh, If you're following along, be diligent to follow along with me. Of course, the verses will be on the screen behind me. I want to ensure that we can cover as much as we can. Um, Thank you all for your prayers and your giving and sowing. This week, I'll be leaving uh, Wednesday morning with Pastor Earl Marcy and a team from St. Augustine, uh, the church in St. Augustine, leaving for Managua, Nicaragua. We'll be down there uh, almost a week. And so uh, next Sunday, I'll, I'll be out of the country, obviously. Who's ministering? Are you ministering, Pastor Chris? Good. Good. If you didn't know that, you're about to find out right now. So, <laughs> I'll let them know. Who's ministering Wednesday night? Is that Audrey? Awesome. You got a good lineup, man. Y'all got a good lineup. Yeah, give it up for these teachers, these men and women of God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful I didn't have to inform you of that right here on the spot because that would have been funny. Nope, he knew, good. All right, I had that conversation. Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. It says that those gifts, and look, if Jesus has given you a gift, don't you want it? I want that. Like if he's wrapped up something for me and he's like, hey, I've set this aside for you. I thought of you when I put this together. You know, you can tell when someone's put a lot of thought into a gift. 
And when someone just ran to Walgreens real, real quick to get some, because they just found out on Facebook it was your birthday, you know, you can tell the difference. That's okay. It's the thought that counts, right? But you can tell when someone's really put a lot of effort. Jesus put a lot of effort in these gifts that he's given to you. Pastors and apostles and prophets, teachers and evangelists. And if you think any of them have been done away with or are not in operation today, then you think Jesus is a lousy gift giver that would give you a gift with an expiration date. That he'd give you a gift that only works in certain seasons and at certain times. I'm thankful for all five gifts of ministry. I'm thankful for all the roles that they place in my life. I'm thankful for the apostles that can rise up and challenge you and charge you. I thank you for the pastors and the shepherds that can oversee you and watch over your souls. I'm thankful for the teachers that can break down the word of God and deliver it in such an articulate way. I'm thankful for the prophets that can see into the future and promote the interests of the kingdom and bring it into the now. I'm thankful for the evangelists and their zeal and their passion for the lost and the sick and the hurting to get them into the kingdom. I'm thankful for every role within the church. We need all five gifts in operation today. Say amen. All five gifts are in operation. And they're not competing with one another. They're not talking over one another. They're not trying to overshadow another. They're promoting each other. They're all five gifts on the same hand given to you. Why? Verse 12. For the equipping, everyone say equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the strengthening of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. That means we're being perfected doesn't mean we arrive at perfection, but ultimately that word in the Greek means this, mature. It means to come to maturity, to be full grown, to not remain a child, to be uh, a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children. And this is what he says. This is how you can identify a child. Tossed to and fro. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Notice this child or this individual doesn't have any say in going from here to there. They're they're being tossed all around. There's no groundedness. There's no foundation. There's no commitment to one gospel, one message, one belief. You get tossed around. By the trickery of men. This is what we're going to talk about today. The trickery of men. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In the Passion Translation, it reads this way back to verse 11. He has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets, grace to be evangelists, grace to be pastors, and grace to be teachers. And they're calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do even their, to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until, everyone say until, until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one 
into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. So if you wanna know how long are these five gifts gonna be in operation, it tells you right there. And I think we still got a few days to go until we achieve what this word says. No, we're not gonna achieve this until he comes in completion. Now you won't need a pastor in heaven, but on this side, you need one. We'll need the apostle on that side, but in this side, we've got these five gifts to help promote our growth, promote our development, promote holiness on the inside, promote righteousness to bring out the new man and die to the old man. Come on. We need these gifts and this, he tells us how long we'll have these gifts in operation for. Verse 14. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble here it is, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. The same group that Paul wrote about to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter four, that by their own hypocrisy and their professional lying, they draw people away. This hypocrisy, this trickery, this craftiness. Uh, going back to another verse we looked at last week, Hebrews chapter five. I'm gonna look at this one uh, in the Passion Translation, Hebrews chapter five and verse 11. In the Passion Translation. And it says this, we have much to say about this topic. Although it is difficult to explain. And again, the writer here is not having a hard time explaining it because he can't find the words. It says he's having a hard time explaining it because you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. He says, for you should already be professors instructing others by now, but instead you need to be taught from the beginning the, basic, uh, the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children, still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. Recognizing and understanding this, that as the day draws near, and especially in the days that we're in now, the last days, how do you know we're in the last days? Well, we're closer than we've ever been. I don't know about you, but time is only going one direction. But I do believe that the word clearly shows us what those days will look like, and I do believe, and I 
can look around and there's plenty of evidence to support that we're living in these last, these last days. We're living in the days of the wars and the rumors of wars. We're living in the days of moral decay and depravity just on a, a massive decline. It feels like in the last three years, we, we went off the edge and just are plummeting right now. Bible says don't make up new ways to sin. Bible tells us that uh, unrighteousness will be celebrated. Bible tells us that you, you, you can make as clear as day right and wrong, and people will still choose wrong. It's one of the most grievous things, especially as a pastor, to see people that blatantly know the path that they're on is leading to destruction, and they choose it anyways. For what? Temporary pleasure? Satisfying yourself today? That's more important than... I have found that it, it is more painful to do now what will benefit in the long run, and it's more pleasurable to do now what will cost you in the long run. You ever noticed that? That many of the things that will benefit you over time are hard to do right now. And the things that will cost you over time are easy to do right now. You can apply this to diet. You can apply this to physical activity. You can apply this to finances. It's hard to say, I'm not gonna get that today because I got a bigger vision in mind. I'm saving up for such and such. It'd be easy to spend it now on this to gratify and satisfy myself today, but in the end, it's gonna cost me, I'm not gonna. And so it's painful in the moment, but it is for it promoting your benefit in the long-term. If it's pleasurable in the moment, it's probably gonna cost you in the long-term. And we see people paying the price today. They're, they're, they're laying their future on the altar for temporary satisfaction in the moment. It's the days that we're drawing near to. It's the days that we're in. The Bible's very clear. And so in these days, we are seeing an urgency by these writers, mainly Paul, and, 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 and you know most people would argue that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews as well. A lot of the language is the same, as you can tell. I've read from three different books, and they all have the same language. That it's gonna become extremely necessary to discern I don't remember if I said this last week or not, but discernment is the antidote for deception. Discernment is the antidote for deception. Let me tell you how you do not cure deception. Information. And yet I watch people try to inform themselves to guard themselves from deception. Well, if I can just know enough, if I can just know more, and they're seeking information. They're seeking to fill up this vessel here rather than this vessel here. And what you're gonna find out today is that the people that are leading men and women astray in these last days, the ones that are finding themselves in the category of departing from the faith and falling away from the faith, the, men, the ones that are finding themselves tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, here's what you're gonna find. They listen to a lot of messages. 
They read a lot of the word. They're going to have an illusion and a, you're going to have, they're going to give off the perception that they are well studied, very knowledgeable. They can give you an essay. They're great with their oratorical skills. They can speak well. They're articulate. Who do you think he's talking about when he says their hypocrisy? It's seductive, it's deceiving, it's misleading. You know, just to put it frank, it's the Pharisees. It's the Pharisees that are leading people away. They are in church, guys. Come on, we got to shift this because if you think the ones falling away are demonic and it's going to be clearly evident, then it wouldn't be as seductive as the word tells us that they are. It wouldn't be as hard to outline. It wouldn't be as hard. It wouldn't be as deceiving. It's deceptive because, uh, you know, they, they are, and you're going you're gonna to wrestle with, but they know so much. But I see them on the front row every week. I'm not talking about y'all. Y'all are good. <laughs> I'm never going to get people on the front row ever again after that one. I hope you're good. <laughs> Let's say that. I am believing the best in our front row today. Lead the way. Just lead the way the right way. No, but it's going to be seductive because, I mean, you wonder how are these people going to lead and then how are the others going to blindly follow? It's because they don't stand up and say, I'm choosing another way. The word is not my foundation. I'm not accountable and submitted to pastoral guidance and leadership in my life. Come follow me. They don't say those things. They find other ways. See, knowledge isn't the problem. It's how you acquire it and what it does to you once you have acquired it. Knowledge isn't the issue. But in Genesis chapter three, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. So I'm gonna make reference. We go there so often, you, you know where I'm going. We're talking about when the snake tempted Eve. And it was the tree of what? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now it wasn't that God didn't want them to know knowledge, have knowledge. It's that they were searching for knowledge outside of the path that God had ordained. He said, this is not the tree that I want you to eat from. And so when you start acquiring knowledge to build yourself up, or you start choosing other alternative paths other than what he's outlined for you by his word and by his spirit, oh, we're, we have a wealth of knowledge today, do we not? People are choking on knowledge today. They haven't even finished the last thing they chewed up. They haven't even swallowed that before they're sticking something else in their mouth. Come on. We are choking, like we are backed up on knowledge today. 
the ease of access and, and, and how much you have access to. You, can, you don't even need to go to university anymore. You don't need to go to a seminary anymore. You don't need to, I mean, just even on the natural level, you can learn something on YouTube and become proficient at it without paying for a degree and sitting under all the, 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 the studying that they provide. Come on, we've got access to knowledge. But not just because it's accessible doesn't mean it's profitable. Just because it's accessible doesn't mean it's true. Just because you have access to it doesn't mean you should have access to it. And we are setting ourselves up for a path of deception, a path of being deceived, when we seek all these other avenues of knowledge of of what about this and what about that. And we're gonna find out here in just a minute that Paul talks about these individuals. And it's not that they're sitting back saying, I don't wanna follow God. It's not that they're sitting back and saying, I don't wanna know anymore. It's not that they're sitting lazily on their couch and they stop attending church and they, and they, they, they stop worshiping God and they, they stop calling him king and, and savior and, and Lord or whatever else they wanna call him. You're gonna find out that they're very active individuals. These that fall away, depart from the faith. They're very active. In fact, it would surprise you to say, really them? That's how seductive and deceptive this is. And so in um, 2 Timothy 3, Second Timothy 3. Oh. Camden won his tournament this morning. You can give him a hand. You can. It's all right. I'll tell him you gave him a hand. He's playing baseball this morning. They won, so they play again at... 2.30. All right, going to the ball field today. Hallelujah. Praise God that we get to enjoy these things with our family and with our kids. Thankful for all that. Okay. Verse one, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, you know, we're reading a lot from First and Second Timothy, and it can sound very much doom and gloom. But he's not writing this to Timothy to scare him. He's preparing him. These words are not written so you can just have a dark outlook of life in these last days. Come on. We should be rejoicing more than we ever have. We should be overcoming more than we ever have. We should be standing firm and raising the standard more than we ever have. This is not time to back down, church. This is not time to fall away. This is not time to slip back. This is not time to say, well, nobody's gonna get it. What's even the point? Jesus, just come on home. That is the wrong approach. Because he also tells Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you. He tells them, preach the word in season and out of season. 
He's encouraging them to stay the course regardless of what others do. But I am warning you and I am preparing you that not everybody's gonna, you're, you're not gonna be famous off this stuff. Not everybody's gonna celebrate what you're saying. Not everybody's gonna, uh, I, I just saw a video this past week of an individual ministering and he uh, was talking about, uh, you know, we, we make a big deal when celebrities or actors or athletes, you know, promote Jesus and promote the kingdom. Oh man, you know, they're famous and so God's gonna use their platform and God's gonna use their influence. God's gonna use their name to get the kingdom out. And he said this, he said, God has the name that is above every name. He is the most famous person on the planet. He has the most influence of anybody. Now, thank God that they're doing that and thank God that they're using their platform to promote. But even if they didn't, God's not at a deficit. <laughs> Every knee's gonna bow, guys. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord. It's gonna happen. He knows how to get the word out. And so we don't need to sugarcoat it. You know what they mean by that, right? Make it a little more palatable. Make something, you know, make it a little more something that's like, okay, I can receive that. That's a little, he doesn't need all that. His word doesn't need that. But I will tell you what, just as some pastors might make it sugar-coated, some can make it super bitter as well. More than it needs to be. More than it has to be. It's not a tough pill to swallow. It is for your flesh. <laughs> your spirit on the inside saying, yes, give me that. That's what I need. Truth. I need the firm foundation of the word of God, please. That's all I want. But your flesh is saying, get that out of here. I don't want to hear about that. So just crucify it, get out of the way and receive the word of truth. It's that easy. Okay. He says perilous times will come. That's not a verse we put on a refrigerator. Right? Anybody got a 2 Timothy 3.1 bumper sticker? I want to see it. No? Make a t-shirt. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, Paul, we get it. You know, everybody's going nuts and crazy. Verse five, here it is. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Now we've covered this before, but I just, I, I gotta bring this perspective. Everything he listed in verses two, three, and four looks like godliness. Huh? What do we call that? Starts with an H. It's junk on the inside, but it looks all good on the outside. We call it a hypocrite. Right? Their hypocrisy, their lies. On the inside, it's everything he listed in verses two, three, and four. On the outside, or on the outside, on the inside, it's garbage. On the outside, it's all cleaned up, flossed up looking good. They got thousands of followers. They got all kinds of people that promote everything that they do. They're, they're, they're doing kingdom work. 
They're writing books and they're holding conferences and they're preaching sermons and they're, they've got podcasts and, 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 and they are surrounded by others. So it looks like they've got some kind of support. They're, they're submitted to, they're accountable to. They, they give off the illusion. Guys, it's seductive and deceptive. But having a form of godliness, they deny the power. He says this, what? From such people turn away. Now, you know it's a hard word when the Bible recommends that you not have, it's not even a recommendation, it's an instruction, it's a command. I'm not encouraging you, I'm commanding you, do not associate with. Now, that's pretty bad when it, the word tells you to associate with sinners and the world, but not associate with people in the church that are living the world on the inside but look like the church on the outside. That's, that's when you know it's bad. He commands the church to go to the world, to the lost and the dying and the hurting. But from these individuals, don't have anything to do with them. That's pretty sobering. He says in verse six, for of this sort are those who what? Creep into households. Seductively. And make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Here it is in verse seven. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning. Always got their nose stuck in something. Always promoting something. This isn't a time to be thinking about who this might be. This is a time to be making sure I don't fall, I, I don't end up in this category of the many that depart from the faith. That's all we're doing here. You come and ask me about so-and-so, you know what? You have a Holy Spirit living on the inside of you that can direct you and show you. If you will submit to it, you do. And he'll let you know, man, something's just not right. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. I'll let you know. But the biggest thing is, how am I applying this to me? Don't worry about them. Don't worry about, are they falling away? Are they departing the faith? Don't worry about them. You know what? You're not gonna stand before Jesus and give an account of them. He's not gonna ask you, now what'd you think of so-and-so's ministry over there? <laughs> Did you believe it? Did you follow it? Did you not? He's gonna ask you, now you, did you fight the good fight of faith? Did you stay with my word? Did you keep from falling away? He says that they're always learning and they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the difference. Without turning there back over to Ephesians chapter four, it says that the fivefold gifts, ministry gifts are given for the equipping 
of the saints. Everyone say equipping. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Here's what the church has settled for in 2023. For a while now, but we're, we're here today. We have settled for the educating of the saints. And he does not say educate the saints. He does not say fill them up with knowledge. He does not say give them all the Greek and the Hebrew and the scholars and the, and the back history and the context and the, and, and the this and the that. All that stuff is great. All that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, if knowledge is not put to use, Paul also writes, I believe in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 maybe, he says knowledge puffs up and makes proud. That the very thing that's designed to promote your growth could actually promote your decay. You're falling away if it's not put to use properly. He's called us, and I'm in the us category. I'm in the pastor category. I'm in the, the one of the five gifts mentioned. I'm in the, I am called not to just educate you, not to just teach you, not to just give you the word and you, have, and, and you take notes. I am in your life to follow up on and to check up on and to hold accountable to. So everybody wants a pastor until the pastor has to do his job. You want the pastor in the hospital when you're sick. You want the pastor when, when, when you're going through something. You want, your, want the pastor when the marriage is on the rocks. You want the, but when the pastor says, you know what? This thing right here, we gotta get that in alignment. That, that's not gonna work. You got unforgiveness going on in there. That's bitterness. But you don't know what they did to me, pastor. I don't need to know. I know what the word says. It's just to forgive says, hold no offense. Would you pray with me about my healing? I would, but the Bible also says that if you have any ought against a brother, your faith will be ineffective. The Bible says faith works by love. Your faith isn't working here because your love isn't working here. They don't wanna hear that. We were standing, this, this wasn't here, this was in St. Augustine, standing with a lady. Got a report of cancer weeks away. There's nothing else we can do. And we're praying and we're believing and we're sending pastors to her. I mean, we did 24-hour round-the-clock prayer for her in her own home. Woke up. We had two-hour windows, all of us. And I didn't pick the window. Pastor assigned it. You got 2 to 4 a.m. Okay. So I'm waking up, 1.30, driving to her house. We just go sit in her living room just praying. She's in the bedroom, sleeping. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we're standing, we're standing. And we were seeing progress here. Appetite was coming back. Her, her, her uh, countenance was coming back. And, and, and then uh, just in a conversation came up with something that happened in her past years ago. And Pastor Earl said, we, we need to do something about that. She wouldn't. Two weeks later. This is serious business. This is kingdom business, guys. It is life or death. And we don't stand up here on platforms and tell you that just to get a, a rouse out of you. It's life or death. The Bible says what it says. If you have any ought or offense against a brother, and that's right after he says, speak to the mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. 
Doesn't mean faith doesn't work. Doesn't mean healing isn't for today. It means we've got to follow the, the protocols of the word and, and the, the purposes of the word. It's real. These individuals, they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They creep into households seductively, take captive. They're always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. It's because they were merely educated and they seek educating and not the equipping of the saints. The word equip means this. The word equip means this, to provide or furnish for use. To provide or furnish for use. Simply put, education is not equipping. You know, I remember when I was learning to drive a vehicle, 16 years old, 15 years old, whenever that was, we had to go through, go to driving school. I don't remember how long it was, but there was a time period initially, maybe a first week or so, where you're just in a classroom and you're watching videos, 20-year-old videos on driving and the pedals and learning the roadways and learning the signs and, you know, and it's, these things are outdated and, and, and then you've got paperwork in front of you. And, and so there was this, you had to go through these classes and then you had to take this test at the end of that week. I don't know how y'all's was, but that's what we did in the great state of Texas. Never sat behind a wheel. In, in, in this frame, of course, I was doing that with my parents on my own, but uh, you know, never sat behind a wheel in this context. They didn't get in a car with me. We're just, and, and just imagine if I passed that test, just a paper test watching videos and listening to an instructor in a classroom setting, I've been educated on a vehicle. I know what this does. I know where the blinkers are. I know how to hit the brakes. I know how long it takes for a car to stop uh, going 60 miles an hour. How many, how, what's the distance gonna be? I mean, they show you all that stuff, right? Pass the test and they say, all right, here's your driver's license. No, I've been educated, but I've not been equipped. Equipping doesn't happen until you start putting it into practice until you, until you actually make use of it yourself. And that equipping took an instructor sitting in a passenger seat with me with a brake pedal on his side. And I'm thankful it was there because the, the person I was rotating with, yeah, you need to go back to the classroom. <laughs> you need to go watch another video. You need to go watch the crash dummy thing again. <laughs> I'm sitting in the back seat. You know, you go two at a time. You got an instructor. And, and you know what? And then we started out on little residential roads, 25 and 30 mile an hour speed limits. And I remember that last day to, to do the test, getting on that interstate. And in Texas, you better know what you're doing and they'll run you off quick. You can't get in the right lane, get in the shoulder. <laughs> if it's got striped lines, don't go in there. Get out of the way. It'll run you off. And I had to brave that. I did it with an instructor. You get equipped 
by actually putting it into practice. Someone walking alongside with you. Got to be equipped for these things. Education won't cut it. So here's the thing. If we settle for only educating the body, the best we can produce is a Pharisee. That's the best case scenario. If we settle for only educating, and we don't submit to the equipping of the body of Christ, that one takes a lot more effort. Because the, the equipping is you actually putting to work and putting to practice. Education is knowledge. Education is necessary to be equipped. It's an element of being equipped, but it is not being equipped. You are not fully equipped because you've been educated. Now you got to apply. Now you got to do like we closed out last week, being a doer of the word, not a hearer only. A hearer only is what? Deceived. But be ye doers of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. Why? Because you think knowledge means you can do it. Let me ask you, would you get on a plane with a pilot that's only been educated? You didn't ask him where his degree was. And many of y'all are exercising a lot of faith. Huh? Getting in a, you're, you're exercising faith when you get on the road that everybody else has gone through the training and the equipping that you went through to be on the road, right? We're trusting that. That you're gonna stay on your side of the lane? That you're gonna break when the person in front of you breaks? That you're gonna break when I break? There's a lot of trust going on. That you're watching me and you're not on your cell phone watching a YouTube video right now while you're driving, putting on your makeup or whatever else happens behind that wheel. A lot of trusting going on. But those, in these last days, those that are only educated and not equipped, they're gonna get separated from the crowd quick. You ever talk to someone that knew a lot about something, but you knew they've never actually done anything they're talking about? Isn't that the most annoying thing ever? And Jesus dealt with those individuals all the time. They were trying to instruct the word on God's word. Could you imagine Jesus' face like, guys, really? You're gonna tell me about the scriptures? I am the scriptures. You're standing, they, they knew the scriptures, but they couldn't recognize the word standing right in front of them. And so Jesus was interested in not just educating his disciples, he was equipping them. He gave them power and authority. Do you know what else comes with the equipping? The correcting and the rebuking. The admonishing and the encouraging. Let's look at this real quick. Let's try to wrap this up. 2 Timothy 3. There in verse seven, he says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. By the way, the passion reads it this way in verse seven. They're always learning, but never discover the revelation knowledge of truth. As these are not individuals that don't know anything. They come across as knowing a lot. They sound very knowledgeable. 
Picking up in verse, um, verse 9, verse 9, Paul says this, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. It's referring to Janus and Jambres. We're going to get into that in the coming weeks. What you're going to find, though, is these individuals that are falling away, they can produce miracles, signs and wonders. Just a real quick reference. I'm not going to get into it today. But when Moses threw his, snake, his rod down and turned into a snake, so did Pharaoh's. Now you, we have to be mature enough to have discernment to recognize that one's of God. This is familiar spirits and seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. It sounds and looks alike. Okay, so that's where we're going to go in a few weeks. It says they will progress no further. Verse 10, what's the answer? You, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How do you know when you're equipped? When you can keep the standard. You followed. You were not like those that were just selfishly ambitious, promoting their own agenda, very knowledgeable, could even produce signs and wonders. You followed me in all of it. My manner of life, my teaching, even my sufferings and persecutions. Bible says John wrote, or uh, Jesus wrote in John chapter 10, he wrote that there's a hireling. There's a shepherd that loves the sheep and calls the sheep and the sheep are called out and follow him. But the hireling only cares about himself. And so when trouble and crisis arises, they run because they don't want to be a part of crisis. They don't want to be identified with struggle. They don't want to go through the hard times. They're gone. Where are they going? Well, you know, they, 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 they gave a righteous excuse. It's my season. My time is up. The Lord's called me on. You know, they're going to they're gonna sandwich it and they're going to make it look really good. But at the end of the day, Y'all with me? Okay. Now he says, you followed me in all of it. And Paul said this in, in another area. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. When you can imitate the one that you're following, you're equipped. When you can imitate Christ, you're equipped to the fullness of Christ, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, to a perfect man, to a mature man, not just knowledgeable, not just trained, not just a lot of head knowledge, but you can't put any of it in, 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 into practice. You can't love your brother and your sister. You can't do away with bitterness and offense. There's many, many ways that we settle for educating when God's wanting us to be equipped. 
Last one, uh, team, if y'all would come, worship team, if y'all come. Matthew chapter 7. There's really so much more we could say. I could do this for another hour. But Matthew chapter 7. I'm not going to hold you hostage. Matthew 7, verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. Let me tell you something, guys. We take this seriously as well. Not everyone who comes to church, loves the church. It's just the case. You know, when we do vision partnership, almost every single time I get asked about a certain little document that we have. It's the last page. It's the last page. Just patent keys right now. It's the last page. reads you my commitment to watch over the souls and the body and the sheep of this church. So that means that I've got to point out, pick out, identify the wolves. Now we will always give every person the opportunity to be restored and reconciled. But if they refuse godly counsel, and they go through the church with unrighteousness, wanting to divide, sow seeds of discord, live, untru- live unrighteously and not respond to the word that's being ministered, you'll be asked to leave. I don't get any pleasure out of that. That's not fun. That's not even what Jesus wants. He wants all men to come to repentance. But this tells us very clearly, not everyone comes in desiring to learn and grow. Not everyone, and when they come in, they're wolves on the inside, but they've got sheep's clothing on the outside. He's warning us. He's letting us know. He says this in verse 16, how are we going to know that they're wolves on the inside, even though they look like sheep on the outside? You'll know them by their fruit. You know what the, 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 the thing is with fruit? It doesn't come immediately. It takes a while. It takes time. And even in that, mercy shows up. It says, hey, we want, to get, we want you to get this right. So we may extend that length. You know, pastors are usually at fault of giving too much rope. You heard that analogy? We always tell them, you give them rope, it'll either pull you in or you'll hang yourself. But the giving of rope is giving you time. It's extending a a, a hand of mercy that says, you've got time to get this right. But if your agenda isn't for the kingdom, if your agenda is to come in here as a hypocrite with your knowledge 
puffed up, drawing men and women unto yourselves, creeping into their lives and to, to finding the gullible ones. They always search out the weak ones. They always will, will find, see, this is why you need to be strengthened and strong and built up so you don't fall prey to that. Because they're picking off, they're not finding the strong ones that say, I'm back in my pastor, I'm with my church, this vision is my, they're not going after those. They're going after the ones that are on the ledge. They're on the ones that are on the fringe, the ones that, that, that get off by themselves sometimes. That's who they're picking off. Okay. It says you will know, know them by them fruit uh, by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear gr- good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. But he continues on. This is where it gets confusing. Because we would think the fruit would be that they're just, they've got a bad mouth, poor attitude, right? We, we, the, the fruit we think is just gonna be, you know, super sinful and want nothing to do with God. No, look what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Who enters the kingdom of heaven? He who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me, where else do we see many? Many will what? Depart from the faith. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And he'll say, what? I never knew you. Depart from me. Remember what he told you to do with people like that? Don't associate. Why? Because he won't either. He says, depart. Depart from me. I never knew you. See, we're talking about individuals that read this book to gain information. We're talking about individuals that see the church and the body of Christ as a means to their advancement and their promotion. We're talking about individuals that use gifts prophetically, miraculously, ministry gifts, teaching gifts. Oh, these people are anointed. These people have great skill. These people have great ability. These people, if they would submit their lives to the will of the Father, as Jesus says here, they would be an absolute bulldozer for the kingdom of God. But instead they've chosen to use their platform, use their influence, use their ways, use their knowledge to puff themselves up, to lift themselves up, to draw men and women unto them rather than unto him. Their study, their prayer life, all of it is all designed as the Pharisees were out of religious activity. And when Jesus shows up, they can't even recognize him. When truth shows up, it pushes them away. 
and they give you others, me, a righteous answer as to why they're no longer in that group. No, you're falling away from the faith. You've been deceived and now you're deceiving others. These are the things the, the, the Lord warns us about. These are the things Paul is warning Timothy about. No, the equipping of the saints. The equipping of the saints. The equipping of the saints. I got to give you one more. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17. That the man of God may be complete. It's the same word as perfect in Ephesians 4. Mature. Thoroughly what? equipped. If you're only accepting parts of why the scripture was given, you're not getting equipped. The equipping comes through the doctrine. Reproof is the rebuking, letting, identifying what's wrong. I mean, that word alone splits a lot of churches. As soon as the pastor starts rebuking, say, hey, this activity, no. That's not of God. That's not righteous. That can't happen. And then correction is pointing you to the right way. So it's not just coming and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's saying, hey, this is the better way. This is the right way. This is the plan of God. This is the path of God. And then instruction and in righteousness. We don't get to pick and choose which of those elements. I want the scripture that, give me doctrine. I want the scriptures that tell me how good I am. I want the scriptures that tell me that I was a lost sinner and by God's grace, I'm gonna make it to heaven one day. I, no, this isn't a buffet, it's not a vending machine. You get all of it if you wanna be equipped. We desire all of it if we wanna be equipped. We go after all of it, say, I wanna be complete, I wanna be whole and be perfected. I wanna be equipped, built up. And then in the day, I won't be found being tossed to and fro, going from here to there. He goes on to say that in those last days, you're gonna have these individuals, they have itching ears. What's that mean? Guys, they're not gonna stop listening altogether. They're just only gonna choose to listen to what makes them feel good. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.